you, Father, once again for this day. Lord, Father, you've been faithful. You've been kind. You've been good to us. In spite of all the things that are going around in the world, oh Lord Jesus, Father, you have been faithful to all of your children, even in this church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So many, Father, without hope. But Lord, you have been merciful to us. Father, we just want to thank you. I want to thank you, Father, for this incredible opportunity, O oh Lord. We found your house to be able to listen to your word. To feed from off your table. I just want to thank you. We don't want to take these privileges for granted, Lord. So many of them don't have these privileges, Lord. But you, Lord, in your mercy, you gave us all these days together. I pray, Father, that Lord, you, that we would be strengthened even more in our spirit, man, this morning, even as we take part from your word, O oh Lord Jesus, that we would, Father, be strengthened in the spirit of, in the, in our spirit, man, O oh Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would, Father, convict us, exhort us, challenge us, teach us, O oh Lord, your ways, show us your paths, that we may know, we might know you. Grant us grace to that when we pray. This morning, even as we study your word, anoint us in the hearing and in the speaking. Keep us from presumptuous sins. Search us and know us and see, and see if there is any wicked way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting life. We praise you, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, we'll take that as our launching pad for this morning. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed because of the lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being a priest to me. Because you have forget, forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. And one of the things that we are constantly exhorted and encouraged is to uh, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen, if I'm right, <clears throat> three eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Beloved, are three eighteen, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and truth, both, and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be. Glory both now and forever. Um, grow in the grace. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. Let us not set aside the grace of God. This is NKJV? Are you sure? Nullify? Okay. okay. Is, can you just put NASB if I'm right? NASB? Yeah. I do not nullify. Or the grace of God. Don't set aside the grace of God. Don't nullify the grace of God. Don't um, um, annul the grace of God. Yeah, that's the word. We can. For if righteousness comes through the Lord, then Christ died needlessly. Yeah, don't nullify. So, so we have to 
grown both in grace and in truth. You know, this is something which is very important. Now we've been looking at um, uh, Exodus and we've been looking at the first commandment. Um, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we looked at um, how we exchange the glory of God. That is how idolatry starts. We exchange the glory of God, the glory of the incorruptible God or the immortal God to things which are corruptible. Okay, so we exchange eternal things to temporal things. Yeah. And then we exchange the truth of God. You can go there, if you will, to, um, if you, if you can please put it in NIV, it'll be great. Uh, this is, uh, Romans chapter one and verse 22 onwards. All they, although they proclaimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So they, the glory of God they couldn't handle, so something which is cannot be handled will let us make it into something which can be, which we can handle. Okay. And then, therefore, God gave them over in sinful desires of their hearts to sexual immorality. Um, some of the translations will say, therefore God gave them over in their desires of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. It says here, to the degrading of their bodies. Now, body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. When we uh, exchange the glory of God, we essentially, God gives us over to the degrading of our bodies. And the next 25, it says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than created things rather than the creator who is forever praised or blessed. Amen. So we exchange the truth of God for a lie. Sorry, the glory of God for, of the immortal God for mortal man and etc. And therefore God gives us over. That's the first giving us over to impurities, to the degrading of our bodies. And then we exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and serve, you see, both proskenoia and lat- latria, latria. We no looked at that. So we, it is God alone you shall worship and Him alone you shall serve, right? So we exchange and uh, we exchange the truth of God for a lie and as a result of that we worship and serve the created things rather than the Creator. So whenever created things become important for us, we have uh, exchanged, essentially exchanged the truth of God for a lie who is forever Praised. Amen. And therefore what happens? The next giving over. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even there, now what? Women exchanged natural relations to unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned the natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committing indecent acts of women. And the third giving up, it says, in the next verse, verse 28, and because they did not see it fit or worthwhile to retain God, the, uh, retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a deprived mind to do those things which ought not to be done. So you have depravity, three levels of depravity. The moment you exchange the glory of God, the immortal God to images made as corruptible man, exchange the truth of God for a lie, you're given over. You extend natural relations to unnatural ones and ultimately you are given over to a debased mind. And we do all kinds of things and we justify them. 
So, I in, in all of these things, one of the things that most of us struggle with is the second exchange. You know what the second exchange is? Exchanging the truth of God for a lie. That is where we struggle the most. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, don't have to turn there. In the last days, there will be a great falling away. Okay. And what happens is that because they do not receive the love for truth, 2.11 actually, 2 Thessalonians 2.11, 2 Thessalonians 2.11, you'll see what happens over here. You can see God giving them over for this, okay, actually 2.10 and onwards, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 10 onwards. Uh, yeah, in, in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved or receive the love of truth. I think it's in, in NIV. You can put it back in NKJV. Okay? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion or give them over to a lie that they should believe the lie. And then what happens? Verse 12, you'll see that lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in what? unrighteousness. They did not have pleasure in righteousness, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness because they do not believe the truth. Why do they not believe the truth? Because God gave them over to a delusion. God allowed a strong delusion to come into their minds. And why? All because they did not receive the love for truth. Okay. The ultimate reality of our lives, I mean the, the struggle I believe with all of us at different levels, all of us, we struggle with truth. Okay, remember that uh, that analogy in um, Isaiah uh, where it says, uh, "Truth has fallen in the streets." Turn with me to Isaiah fifty-seven, if I'm right. Isaiah fifty-nine, sorry, uh, fifty-nine fourteen. Fifty-nine fourteen actually is very easy to remember. We'll never, never forget this. How does how is it easy to remember? Five plus nine is fourteen. Okay, Isaiah fifty-nine fourteen. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. Why? For truth is fallen in the street. And what cannot enter? Equity cannot enter. So if there is no equity, what do we have? Inequity. <laughs> That's the point. Okay. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off because truth is fallen in the street. And I'm going to put a, a link to one of Pastor James's uh, teachings on this in the description box. I, I, I believe you should all listen to it. Okay, one of the most powerful teachings as to how truth has fallen in the street, and that is the reason why justice has turned back. Righteousness stands afar off because truth has fallen in the street, and equity therefore cannot enter. Okay, truth becomes the biggest stumbling block for every believer. That is the reason why it says the cross is a stumbling block. Why to the Jew? Because the Jew required require what? A sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but what do we what do we preach? We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Both to the both is a stumbling block. That is the truth. Ultimately, mercy and truth have kissed each other on the cross. Righteousness and truth and have met together. So the ultimate struggle for every believer, or I mean believer, non-believer, and every person saved, unsaved, I believe. My um, struggle, I think I'm voicing the struggle with all of us have, is a struggle with the truth. The truth of God and the truth about ourselves. The truth, the reality of who God is and the reality of our current condition. That is the 
always a battle. Okay. And we, the moment we begin to love truth, that is when things will change. That is the reason why we have this fivefold thing. God is truth. Isaiah 65 verse 16. Yeah. His son is truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. John 14, 6. His word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. Okay. And then his spirit is truth. John 16, 13. Okay. And then 1 Timothy 3, 15. The church, the pillar and the bulwark of truth. And the church is supposed to preach the truth or preach the word. And that word should be in line with the spirit, the truth and the person of Jesus Christ. All these three, three, three things have to match all the time. Otherwise, we have missed the mark. <clears throat> and that's the big challenge. Okay. The challenge always is with the truth. Okay. Most of the time our struggle is with truth. We want God to act on our behalf by circumventing the truth. What do we want? We want to, we want, I think see, you look at, if you look at so many other questions, I mean some of them, if not all of them, you know, we want God to act on our behalf without handling truth. Like for example, like Pastor was saying, we have to go back to where you messed up the very first time. That is truth. And that is a painful thing to do. But you know what? God is not there to condemn us, but he's not going to also circumvent the truth. That's exactly what he tells even the Samaritan woman. Uh, okay, you want this fountains of living water so that you'll never thirst again? <coughs> Go call your husband. And the moment she says, I don't have a husband, he says, yes, you have spoken the truth. You don't have a husband. You had five husbands. The person whom you are living with is a sixth one. Sixth one is, is you are living with that person. He's not even your husband. In that you have spoken the truth. And she says, boy, you are a who? You are a prophet. Notice that. That is a prophetic voice. I want to come back to that. Okay. Very, very important voice. The prophetic voice. If we ignore the prophetic voice, because the church is built upon the apostles and the prophets. Apostles preach the truth. Prophets bring you back into line with the truth. And both these are absolutely important. The prophetic ministry and the apostolic ministry <coughs> where apostolic ministry, they preach the doctrine. They, they preach the doctrine, which is essentially they preach the truth. And what does a prophetic ministry do? Brings all the people back in line with the truth. Okay. You understand? So we looked at that, no? Those three ingredients of the prophecy, the exhortation, the encouragement, etc., etc. You can go back to that. <clears throat> so, most of the time, our struggle is with the truth. We want God to act on our behalf by, by circumventing the truth. Yes, the times of ignorance God has winked at. But now he calls everyone at every place to repent. But that does not mean that he has winked at sin. He has only winked at the times of ignorance. He has never winked at sin. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17 to see that particular <clears throat> verse in Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> verse <clears throat> 29 onwards. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. You see, something which cannot be handled. You see, the ex exchange of the truth of God for a lie. Truly, these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now, what does he do? He commands. Command is not a suggestion. 
when 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 he when Moses went on to the top of the mountain, he didn't get ten suggestions or ten opinions. He got ten commands. Okay, but now commands all men, not some men, all men everywhere to repent. That means Greek, Jews, Gentiles, barbarians, Scythians. I am obligated. Paul says, right? I am under obligation to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. Okay, so barbarians also. And the Greeks, everybody is at the same level. The wise and the unwise, everybody is at the same level. And he says, all men everywhere have to repent. Why? (laughs) Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. That is truth. He is going to uphold truth. By the man whom he has ordained. Who is that man? Who is he called? He is, I am the way, the truth. By that truth. That's the reason why it says in Romans chapter 2. He says he's going to judge the secrets of men by that man, Jesus Christ. According to my gospel. Paul says. Okay. He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given what? Assurance. So don't be ignorant. Okay, assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And you'll see the reaction. What is the reaction? Next, next verse. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear you again of this matter. And then verse 33, but some followed. Some joined him and believed. Okay, so these are the three three reactions. Some will postpone, some will mock, some will believe. So you can, uh, you, if you mock, you have disobeyed. If you have postponed, you have disobeyed. Okay. And if you have believed, it's good. That is the reason why today, if you hear his voice, we'll come to that later on. So he has overlooked times of ignorance. He has not overlooked sin. That would make God unrighteous, right? If he overlooks sin, he passed over our sins. By putting them on Jesus. That's the, that's the whole point. Okay, never, never forget this. We'll look at this concept over and over again. For example, Romans chapter 3, verse 25 onwards. 25 and 26, that's enough. Whom God hath set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Okay, propitiation means appeasing. The wrath of God was satisfied when when he put the wrath of God on Jesus. Because in his forbearance or in his long suffering, what does God do? What did God do? He passed over the sins that were previously committed by putting them on Jesus, by setting forth, by setting him forth as a propitiation to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be what? Just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And then let's go on. Therefore, okay. where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And then, do we or is he the God of Jews only? No. 
He is the God of the Gentiles also. Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the circumcised through faith. And I want you to look at this verse 31. Do we then make the void, make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. He says we are, he is not winking at sin. He's only overlooking at sin. He's overlooking sin. When he is overlooking sin, he's not uh, bringing down truth is upholding the truth, which is the law, which is the law over here, is establishing the law. How is he doing that is a question. God is never going to do anything contrary to his nature. How does he do that? He puts that sin on Jesus Christ and the moment we accept Jesus as our, when we believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, then we are saved. Let me put it that way. That's biblical. God has never winked at sin. Winked at sin. That is contrary to his nature. He will never profane his holy name. God is a God who is absolutely holy, true, just, and righteous, and merciful. All at the same time. That's his name. You know that name. Where is that name? Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. Look at what it says. The Lord descended... The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And what is the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And what is that name of the Lord, Baba? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands of generations, uh, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. This is a complete picture of God. Nahum Mantri. Know that very well again. So many verses we looked at, right? Nahum Mantri. Okay. Now the Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and will not at all acquit the Wicked, full stop. Okay, you, you got that, no? Period. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and he will not at all, he will not let the guilty go unpunished, he will say in other translations. He will not acquit the guilty go, he will not let the guilty go unpunished. He will not acquit the wicked at all. Again, that's the cross. Another verse, Psalm 85 verse 10 to 13. Four verses. Psalm 85 verses 10 to 13. <clears throat> Mercy and truth met together. Where? On the cross. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Where? On the cross. And then it, you know what it says? Truth shall spring out of the earth. Okay, that's beautiful, isn't it? That's the work of Jesus. Bringing it's on earth. And when truth springs out of the earth, what happens? Righteousness shall look down from heaven. When God looks at us, and then we believe on the finished work of Jesus on the cross, what has happened in our hearts? What has happened? Truth has sprung forth out of the, out of the earth. We are earth. We are that earth. Out of Adameh, he has made us. He has made Adam from the dust of this earth. And we are that earth. That is the reason why he says, 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Where, where is that earth? It starts there with you. So truth has spring out of the earth from us. And then what happens? Righteousness looks down from heaven. When does this happen? When mercy and truth have kissed each other on the cross. That means when you believe on the finished work of Jesus on the cross, what has happened? You're, you're saying, Lord, I should have died in your place. Lord, I am sorry. And you accept, you are repented of your You have repented of your sin and your sin has been put onto Jesus and his righteousness has been given to you. Truth has sprung forth from the earth. The truth has been upheld. And what does righteousness what, what happens to righteousness? Righteousness looks down from heaven. And when God looks at you, how does he look at, look at you? Righteous. Justified. Just as if you have never sinned. That's the beauty. So God is never going to wink at sin. He is never going to uh, relax truth. He will always uphold the truth. And you know what? Once we have been justified, one of the things that we have to constantly grow in, we have to grow in what we call as righteousness. Grow in righteousness, right? That's essentially what we, the struggle is. And if you have to grow in righteousness, what should spring forth in our lives? Truth. And the struggle we we face is the truth. The greatest problem for all of us is to accept the truth about ourselves. It's a very painful, it's traumatic actually. It's traumatic, no? Exams are traumatic. Results are even more traumatic. Exam ke liye rasistam. Results achinam pura juskundam le. And then the results come. It's traumatic. It's not easy. Hmm? Did we make the cut? <laughs> Is the important thing. But anyway, for us thankfully, first. We are not going to work for our rest. We work from our rest. And we don't work for our salvation. We work for our rewards. Okay, We are God's workmanship. We allow the... But but in order for us to continue to grow in our righteousness, you know, what you should deal with every day in our lives is truth. Okay. We have to begin to love truth. And you know, that's exactly what the, that's what it says, right? Like, a, because we have been born again by the truth, right? James 1.18. I want, I want you to look at that verse. James 1.18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So what has happened? He brought us forth by the truth, by the word of truth, and we have to water constantly keep watering the word of God over our lives so that we may grow in truth. And that is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 2, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow up in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you put it in ESV, it's beautiful. Put it in ESV. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, 2 and 3. Laying aside all malice. So put away all malice, all deceit. And hypocrisy and envy and slander and all slander. What is all this? In one word? Lies. <laughs> you see that? Okay, so put off all these things like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that it may, that it, that, that by it you may grow up to salvation. You see that? There's a growth in your salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the 
Lord is good. So this is, of course, we are not talking about salvation. We are talking about the salvation of the soul, not the salvation of the spirit. We understand, understand this. This is, this is the, this is continuous process where we constantly are confronted by truth and the lies in our hearts and in our minds are exposed and we constantly replace those lies by the truth of the word of God. And so we constantly keep growing. And that will be our major problem. The moment we don't accept the truth as it is, because truth, you cannot subtract from it, you cannot add to it. If we either subtract from it or we add to it, we become guilty of presumption and therefore, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let us, let us, let us uh, rephrase that statement again. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing truth. Okay, that's that's the thing. Okay, there's no other way. If you do not, that means truth, unadulterated truth, okay, pure milk or solid food, whatever it is, which depending upon your uh, spiritual level. But that has to be absolutely unadulterated. But if you can't, if you subtract to it or you dilute it. What happens? It doesn't become faith, it becomes presumption. That's our major problem. So how do we um, struggle with truth? We have to identify that. In other words, first we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images. Second, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. That means, essentially, the, our struggle, as I said, is a struggle with that part of truth, with truth. So how do we exchange the truth of God for a lie in subtle ways? Because for believers, these are all subtle things. Okay, we don't, uh, what do you say, um, uh, what do you say, we don't uh, blatantly say there is no God, or blatantly uh, say, I don't believe in cross and stuff, stuff like that, but in subtle ways we do it. So what are the subtle ways we exchange truth of God for a lie? Is a point. That is something which I want to examine today. So how many ways? I want to examine seven ways. Okay, that is, there are so, so many other things, but I will only look at seven. Okay. In those seven, by the way, seven, if you look at it's other things are essentially a linear combination of uh, these seven. If you understand linear algebra, okay. A linear combination of these seven weights. Okay. You can understand every other th- truth is essentially a combination of these three, these seven attributes. See, these seven subtle ways of exchanging the truth of God for a lie. So let us go to the beginning. How we exchange the truth of God for a lie. Let us go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 to 17. I, I I love that you, know, you see when when you when you read the Bible a little in the original, no, it's it's the intensities are beautiful. Okay, the nuances rather not intensities. The nuances are very nice, very interesting. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. So by the way, uh, to tend it and keep it, meaning God, work was ordained for man even when he was in his unfallen state. Okay, so that means once we also go back to heaven. We'll be working. We'll not just not relaxing in the hammock. I don't want that life, please. Okay. 
how much time will you relax? Face beta So we don't want to relax. We just want to be busy, busy, busy. Okay. If the work here on earth is so exciting and it's so pleasurable, when problem solving is, is so beautiful, <laughs> why, I mean, do you think that God is not going to, he's going to keep us like that and, okay, relax. We're going to be, our work will be ultimately redeemed completely. Our ultimate redemption will happen when our work also becomes redeemed and we'll start enjoying God's work. The work, that, that work will be a fantastic work, okay? That only we can only imagine what work will be given to us. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll create some new universes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You want to create this? Majjal, okay? Heaven. I don't know. He created one heaven in the middle also, in middle only. I don't know. Some, some, there's a, there's a mythology story in, uh, in our Puranas, no? One guy, he creates one second heaven only. Okay. I think that is from where we have the second heaven in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I, I, I don't know exactly. I don't want to. So you can delete this, okay? Okay. So maybe we'll do some creative works also. We don't know. I can only imagine. Okay. Because we did so much of creation over here. In our unfallen, in our fallen condition. Amazing, no? So, that's only besides the point of every, so God come, uh, and verse 16, God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you shall eat of it you shall surely die. Okay, now let me tell you what this word surely die means. Literally means, the day you eat of it, you shall, you shall surely die. Meaning, you will die in dying. Dying, you shall die. That's how you can render it. In the Hebrew, it is, you shall die. Die in Hebrew is moth. Okay, from which we get the Arabic word also, moth. Okay. Uh, death, moth. Moth, malumena. So, he says, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall be moth, moth. Double moth. Now in the Hebrew, like Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. It's rendered as most assuredly I say unto you. Whenever there is a double, it's an emphasis. For example, give me pure gold. You know what, how it is? Pure gold. If you, if I, if I, if I go to a supermarket and say, give me pure, I mean, not supermarket, sorry. If I go to a gold shop and say, give me pure gold. You know how I ask for the, ask for the gold? Please give me gold, gold. It's a deep pit. It is a pit, pit. Okay. You shall surely die. You shall die, die. <laughs> okay. That's, that's how it is. Okay. And if, if you want to attribute something to God, three times. Holy? No. Holy? No, 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 no. Holy. Okay. Holy, holy, holy. That is only to God. When you have a triple superlative, it is only to God. But if you want to emphasize a truth which God is giving the creation, He says, if you eat of that tree, you shall die, die. Okay. You got it, no? Okay. So how do we Exchange the truth of God for a lie now. Go to Genesis chapter 3. 
verse 2 onwards. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Freely recession akada. Okay. We may freely eat le akada. There is no freely eat anymore. Uchitanga adinachu. Le adikanga. Nirabhyantaranga adinachu. Pushkalanga adinachu. Vani em leo. Tiresis. Anni dhisesis indra vata chai. Ani akada nirut. Em antra dhani. Nirutsaha antra dhani. Okay. Some dissatisfaction. She is showing some dissatisfaction over there. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it. In Japale, you can touch it, you can experiment it, you can take to the lab and do all kinds of analysis on it. But you shall not eat of it, but on the day you eat it, you will, you know what she says? Lest. You know what the word for lest is? Peradventure. What what, what peradventure means? Perhaps. Or you may die. What has what has she has replaced with? Instead of saying die die, which is surely die, she has replaced one die. She has taken away one die and she put peradventure die. So how do we exchange the truth of God for a lie? When we lessen the intensity of a particular command. When we lessen the intensity of a particular command. There's a saying in English. A miss is as good as a... A miss is as good as a mile. Let me give you an example. What it means. Pass mark 35. I got 34.99. What is it? Fail. How much did I miss it? 0.01. Result, fail. A miss is as good as a mile. For example, for example, let's say you're playing cricket. If you want to hit a six, you have to time the ball. Not only time the ball, you have to time it so perfectly that you will not uh, reach, that the ball should not go to uh, to 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 the fielder. You have to time the ball, you have to hit it with power, Time the ball, hit it with power, and the ball has to meet the middle of the bat. Then it is bye-bye, baby. Okay. Otherwise, you know what? Or you could miss time. When you miss time the shot, even if you hit it in the middle of the bat, Whatever that mistiming is, I don't ever get it. What is mistiming? I don't understand. Until there's a contact point between the ball and the bat at a particular uh, energy level where you can completely reverse the speed of the ball, use the speed of the ball and smash it to the fence. So you have to not only middle the ball, you have to time it. Perfectly. So the timing is important. You have to hit it in the middle of the bat is important. You should not find the fielder. It is important. And you should, if you take the edge, what happens? The slip fielder is ready there with all his arms. Ricky Pontings and Johnny Rhodes will be waiting for you or Mark, Mark Was will be waiting for you at the point. And the, you, all these people are waiting for the miss. And the miss is as good as a mile. It costs your wicket and therefore the test match. Not one day, okay? Not 20, 20. 
costs a wicket and therefore the test match. A miss is as good as a mile. For those of you who don't understand cricket, I'm sorry. I don't have any other better explanation than this. Okay. <laughs> the miss is as good as a mile. You see. So what is that? What, how did she exchange the truth of God? By lessening the intensity of a particular command, commandment. Of one commandment only. What is intense? You know the word intense? In Tense. Intention. That's what it means, right? What is intention meaning? Holding the things absolutely intention. That is when you don't miss the mark. <laughs> you hold everything intention. The truth of God and the mercy of God. The righteousness of God and the love of God. The holiness of God and also the forbearance of God. Everything is held in absolute tension. And that is when you do not lessen the intensity of God's command. When you lessen the intensity of God's command, what do you do? You say, peradventure I may die. Finished. Moth, moth ko, ek moth ko nikal diya. Aur keval ek, ek ko rakha wahan par, lest... Slip between the cup and the lip. Lessen the intensity, intention. You have to, one of the most incredible challenges of Christianity is to hold truth and grace together. (laughs) It's not easy. I don't think any preacher can do it 100%. Only Jesus did it. And only a preacher who completely has given himself over to God can hold these three things together in tension. In the right tension. And you know, you should see, you know, some crazy YouTube videos. Today in the morning I was just browsing just to get my bearings on, okay. There was one arrow shooting video. (laughs) So this guy, what is he doing? He's, in order to test the tension of his uh, bow, you know what he's doing? He's seeing how tall or how high he can shoot the arrow. So he's going to the middle of the field and he's shooting the arrow and then he's checking how much time it will take to for the arrow to come back to the ground. So he goes and hides, you know, just in case the arrow doesn't come and hits his head, no? So he's checking the, in- the tension. I-, I thought it was a very interesting exercise, you know? I mean, does our truth really reach to the levels of God? Or do we, what? Fall short. Do we have exact tension in our arrow and in our bowstring so that we reach up to the levels and the standards of God? Or do we don't, we don't have sufficient tension in our string? Have we lessened the intensity of the command? From we, from, from the word intensity, we also get the word intent. The word of God. Is quick, is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So, what happens when you lessen the intention of a particular command? What do you what do you do? You exchange the what, the truth of God for a lie. That's exactly what has happened in the garden. God said, you will surely die and you've lessened the intensity of of the command and therefore what happens? You will always miss the mark because you do not have the right tension. 
question. Do we have the right tension? If we don't have the right tension, we will always miss the mark. I told you in one of the studies that we did. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Look at this beautiful verse. Okay. He who has a slack hand. (laughs) What does he do? He becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. You know what? Let us replace slack with who lessens attention. Okay, let us, let us read it. He who has, or rather, who lessens the tension, relaxes the tension, relaxes, that's what it means actually. The one who relaxes the tension, in other words, ah, God doesn't really mean it. Relax the tension. You think God is so, um, what is that? Uh, do you think he's so bad? He's a good God. Come on. He will overlook it. You do this mistake, go and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive. Relaxing. He who relaxes the tension becomes poor. See, the slackness in the things of God, you know what happens? It permeates into every every area of our life, right? When you are slack with the things of God, we are slack with every other thing in life. And that is the reason why we should like Muhammad Ali. You know why you should, why? That guy Muhammad Ali, he said, he would never, in his last fight, he was 36 years old, and he wanted to uh, win the bout. I, why am I using Muhammad Ali as an example? Simply because Paul also uses, I'm a, I'm like a boxer, but I don't box as if I'm boxing into, into the what? Into the air. Every strike is going home run only. Okay, when I punch, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now when I punch, I make it count. Okay. So, you know how he, how he used to practice? He used to run, 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 five miles, let's say. After five miles, he would say, no, 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 it's not sufficient. One more mile, one more mile. Yes, every part of my body is saying, come on, relax, take it easy. But he says, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because you know what? Every inch I'm going to run extra is going to determine whether I'm going to win or lose. No no, no relaxing. That is the reason why he's Muhammad Ali. I don't, I don't think there's another greatest, greater heavyweight champion than him because of the consistency that he had. I mean, I'm not endorsing boxing, but, <laughs> but I, I, I get the attitude is remarkable. And what did he want to do? He wanted to retire on a high. He never wanted to retire as a loser. And that's exactly what Christian walk. We should finish our work on this earth on a high. Like Paul says, no, I have finished the race. I have Kept the faith. Now what is waiting? A crown of righteousness. And not only for me. That means till the end in my life. But tension was never down. It was always (laughs) high tension only. (laughs) It was perfect tension. (laughs) Absolute perfect tension. So what happens? He who slacks his hand or relaxes his hand. Becomes what? Poor. Eternally. That's what I mean. Eternally poor. We are not talking about earthly riches. 
You're talking about eternal riches. The moment you slacken, slacken the, the standards of God and relax the standards of God, you become, 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 uh, poor spiritually. That is the reason why many, many people don't have spiritual strength. You know why? Why do, why do people not have spiritual strength? Simply because they have, they're slack in, when it comes to spiritual things, they don't have a regular time of word. They don't read the word of God with, in, with intention. You understand what I'm saying? Where they don't pray with intention. They don't go to church with intention. There's no intensity in their walk. They have slackened off. You see? There's no room for slackening off. Every day in the morning, one of the things that I keep crying out, Lord, I'm going back to the pulpit again. Lord, please, Lord, come, for, come, 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 come through for me. I don't want to slacken off. I don't want to ever reduce the standards of God. I don't want to even give an appearance, Lord, that, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm not strong in the preparation that I made so that when I come to the pulpit, you know that I have prepared myself. There was intensity. There was intention behind everything that I'm doing. We might fall, but what? The intensity is important. We don't want to deal with a slack hand, right? Intensity is important, okay? So he who deals with a slack hand becomes poor and so many people are spiritually poor simply because they are, they have been dealing with a what hand? What, with what kind of hand? A slack hand. Are we good? So, don't relax. When you relax, you deceive yourself. What did I say? <laughs> you deceive yourself. I, I'm not saying that. Turn to Psalm 32. Uh, let's read from uh, verse 1 to 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered, okay, look at this everybody, look at this everybody, okay, I, I want you to, I, I want you to, uh, uh, look at this beautiful verse, okay, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no, you know, let me tell you, the word for deceit, what did I say? Kyle or in this, in, the, in our context, the same word, slackness, or uh, you are not relaxed. Okay, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no slackness. Meaning, when you are repenting of your sins, there has to be intention behind it. Half my goods I give to the poor. Whatever I've stolen from people, I'm going to restore it back fourfold intensity. He's not hiding anything now. He's going all out. See, so let, let us let us prove this point. Go go further down. When I kept silent, <laughs> my bones grew old. In other words, when I was relaxing, I was thinking, you know, it's not so serious. You know, this is okay. God will understand. I don't have to do say everything. No. 
sorry, he looked at him and said, brood of vipers who has warned you for, to flee from the wrath to come. He never minced words. And you know what happened? They all bap- were baptized in the Jordan. How? Confessing their sins. There was a confession. And we are not saying that you should confess your sins publicly to everybody. No, we are not saying that. We are talking about genuine, true confession to God. Sometimes you don't have to do it. Sometimes you have to do it. You have to ask God. Like pastors keep saying, you have to ask God. Certain things you have to say it out. Then it has damaged a lot of people. Keep, for example, one of the things that you have to confess openly to everybody, you have to, if you have slandered and spoiled everybody, a person's reputation, you have to go to everybody to whom that email has gone. I don't know if it's possible in this digital age. So be careful, okay? When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer Selah. And verse 5, what did I say? I acknowledged my sin. I did not hide my iniquity. I will say, I said, I will confess my transgression. And then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The guilt of my sin. You forgive it. See, that was absolute intention behind confession. He is going all out. If you have a slack hand, boy, you'll become poor. Therefore, even in our repentance, there has to be what? Intention. Don't slacken. When you lessen the commandment of God, when you lessen the intensity behind the commandment of God, what are you doing? You're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. ESV. ESV is there, no? Yeah. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 onwards. So same word. I'm telling you, this word is so powerful. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish the uh, abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, or verily, verily, or most assuredly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not even an iota. Or a dot. Now let me tell you what this means. I, I, I was talking to Raj the other day. The smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the, way, the letter Yud. It looks like a small apostrophe. That is the smallest letter. A tittle, you know what a tittle is? It is a small bent. It's a small bent. Very, very small bent. It's so inconspicuous. You can't even see it. Okay. But so if you are reading, let's say, the, the Hebrew alphabet and you don't pay attention to that small detail, You'll miss the whole point. So you know what? So the, the Pharisees, they understood this whole thing. When Jesus was saying, not even a yud or a a tittle, a bent in the law will pass away from the law until everything is accomplished. And then look at what he says. The next verse, verse 17. Therefore, whoever relaxes, in other words, lessens the tension or the intensity of the commandment, not only the commandment, the least of the commandments. You see? If therefore whoever relaxes or lessens the intensity of each of these commandments and teaches others will be called poor, relaxed, slothful fellow. 
in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. And those guys were fantastic and relaxing. They knew, see, when you look at the law, it is impossible for you not to get convicted. So what do they do? How to handle conviction? You lessen the intensity. It's not that. You know, it actually means this. Like, like Pastor was saying, no, nobody can survive without truth. But there is one absolute truth. But you know that you cannot live up to that standard. So what do you do? You create an alternate truth. You relax the intensity of the truth and you start living it. So that you, your conscience is <laughs> kind of, you know, soothed and you're okay. It's like I told you, you know, the example. Pani Puri. Bah, how many of you love it? Gapchup, it's called Gapchup, meaning shut your mouth and eat, basically. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that means don't ask questions. That is what Gapchup means, okay? I don't know what it's called it in, what, what it is called in Gujarat. I don't know, Pani Puri. In, in, in Hyderabad, it's called Gapchup, meaning it's so dirty, please don't ask any questions, just eat it. Okay, gapchup. Gapchup de na. Okay, gapchup, gapchup khale. Huh? So, uh, so what, how does that, what does that fellow do? He takes that panipuri and he puts some onions over there. He takes his beautiful, nice, clean hand, unsanitized hand, and he will take that piaj and he will put it into your plate like that. Okay. And then you would take that panipuri and you crush it in the middle. He will take that hand, dip it till here, this point, into that water. And your mouth is salivating. Who's salivating? Your mouth is salivating. Your mouth is salivating and you put the piaj on top of it and and you put that thing into your mouth and you say, Vare, vah, kya baat hai, is what your tongue will say. That is, that is the reason why there is one chef called Vareva chef. Vareva kya baat hai and you also want to kiss the dirty hand basically. Hurry, itna chak pani And then the internal organs only want truth. They are not wanting your taste. Taste is a lie. The reality is inside. And if the stomach were to have a, have a voice, it would say, Are, what are you eating, you fool? If it were to have a voice... Can you imagine if the stomach and everything, every part of your body can protest your tongue? That is the reason why it's called, tongue is called a what of iniquity? A world of iniquity. It lies every step of the way. You cannot survive because you need a truth, Baba. You kiss that hand, everybody, all software engineers, everybody in, in Gachipoli, you know, all these big, big DLF, they're all like beggars with the bowl. Ah, give me, give me, give me, give me, give <laughs> me. You see, this is the problem. Okay. All these CEOs, they come out of their BMW cars and they're right standing before that Monday fellow and they're begging with that bowl, you know. It was remarkable. Internal organs need truth, Baba. What needs truth? Your soul needs truth. Your spirit needs truth. It cannot grow other, other, other than that. So what do you do? You relax the conditions. You start watering down. 
I remember that one one when Telugu movie, this guy is selling milk. Okay. And you know in an Andhra, for every one liter of milk, they add two liters of water. Okay. So it's like this, no? Uh, so he's uh, he he finishes his container and he and he puts his dips his finger and he tastes it, tastes it, and he says, "Oh, it's still a little thick." So he just looks for some more water. Water is over, no? And one guy will be going with his lota like lota like this, no? Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. He takes that water and puts puts that water also into the thing, and he dilutes it even more. That's exactly what is happening, you know. We're all laughing, but that's exactly what is happening. Truth is getting absolutely diluted. Intensities are reducing. You're relaxing the constraints of God, the tensions of God, the intensities of God. And God, it says, David fulfilled God's intentions before he slept with his forefathers. We don't relax the commands of God. We uphold truth, and we ask God for grace. We will never get grace unless we uphold truth. That is the reason why he says, humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. It is only the grace. It is grace. Grace is given only to the humble. Who are these people who humble? Who bow their head to the truth about who God is. Don't relax the tension. So when, how do we exchange the truth of God for a lie? When we lessen the intensity of God's command, we do it. The first thing. Another example. Matthew chapter 15. Two interesting uh, verbs are used over here. Matthew chapter 15, not 5, 15. Uh, verse uh, 1 onwards. 1 to 3. And the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And you know what Jesus says? He answered, Why do you? Break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition. Uh, you, want to, you want to look at another translation for breaking the commandment of God? Go to Mark's Gospel chapter 7 now. Same same verse, okay? Let's read from verse uh, 1 onwards, 1 to 11, okay? Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, the same uh, context, but another, another word is used. Hmm? Uh, and, and read on, read on. Let's do it. When they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they came, they, uh, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, etc., etc., etc. Verse 5, when the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tra- tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And then he says, he answered and said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, hypocrites, as it is written. What is, hypocrisy means what, in your spirit there is what? Deceit or guile or slackness. Ah, There is slackness in your spirit. Well did Isaiah prophesy of your hypocrites as it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he gives an example. For laying aside the, what do they do? They lay aside. They break the commandment of God. Here they lay aside the commandment of God by holding forth to the, what? To the traditions of men. 
And verse 9, all too well, you reject the commandment of God. You lay aside the commandment of God. You break the commandment of God. You reject the commandment. So many things. First, First, you break the commandment of God. Second, you lay aside the commandment of God. Third, you reject the commandment of God. Verse 11. Uh, for Moses said, honor your father and mother, he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But if, if, but if you say, uh, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is korban, and verse 12, then you no longer let him do anything for, uh, for his father and his mother. You make the word of God of no effect. Or can you, uh, can you put the NASB here in this case? I like the word. Nullify. You invalidate the word of God or nullify the word of God by your tradition. So what do you do? You break the commandment of God. You lay aside the commandment of God. You neglect the commandment of God and you nullify the commandment of God. That is how you lessen the intensity of God. By your tradition. Can you see that? How, how much tradition is a big thing for us, no? I remember those days when we were growing up, if you don't get new clothes for Christmas, people used to cry. And they were I didn't get any clothes for Christmas. This is... But is God, Jesus Christ, birth in your heart? Nobody is concerned about that. They are only concerned about dress. They are concerned about uh, vada and chicken curry early in the morning. You wouldn't make vada? Christmas today? Nonsense. Chicken with chicken curry. Is Christ's birth in your heart? No, not needed. What have we done? We have nullified the commandment of God which says you must be born again. Huh? By our tradition. Chicken curry is not there. Oh, you didn't make uh, curd vada, peru gare, amma, and sweet gare. It's a big manufacturing process going on in the mo- in the morning. Nobody wakes up in the morning at four o'clock and prays, but they wake up on on Christmas Day morning at four o'clock and prepare vadas for the entire family. What are we doing? Holding fast to our traditions and neglecting, putting aside, or breaking, nullifying the commandment of God. So don't relax. So we exchange the truth of God for a lie by lessing the intensity of the command. Point number one, point number two. Then, how do we nullify the commandment of God? We nullify the commandment of God by imbalancing the truth, by focusing on one side and relaxing the other. What we call as, either we go towards legalism or we go towards license. And both is hypocrisy, by the way. Because there is no reality. Gospel has a particular trajectory. It is called in line with the truth of the gospel. It is called orthopodeo. Walk straight. That's the reason why God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night and thou shalt find success. Do not turn from it to the 
left or to the right. Then you shall find success. Even in the same way, gospel has got a particular trajectory. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. In, uh, like pastor says, right, if you go to America and Canada, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, even in Australia maybe. Left and right, nahi dekna. Straight bhi nahi dekna. Aakash mein dekha to, pata nahi kya hoga. Neeche dekher, chalna. You cannot look here and there. Because you have very nice costumes. Or lack thereof. So gospel has straight lines. Don't go to the left or go, don't go to the right. Don't become right wing. Don't become left wing. Become gospel wing. Okay. What is gospel wing? I'll show you. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. As I told you, no? It's a tale of two visits. Actually, two cities, Antioch and Jerusalem. <laughs> One guy goes from Antioch to Jerusalem, nothing happens. They try to bring circumcision to him. Even Titus, who was a Gentile, was not forced to be circumcised. And when some false brethren came secretly to, what, spy on our freedom, we haven't given even them an inch. That's what Paul says when he goes to Jerusalem. Peter comes to Antioch. Now this is what happens. Verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Thank God he withstood him to his face. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. This is the same James who said, you know what? I put no other burden on the Gentiles except that they should not uh, offer eat food offered to idols. They should not eat blood. Or something strangulated and they should keep themselves from fornication. Same James. But there are some people who came from James. They did not have the spirit of James though. Hmm? He would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. Fearing those who were of the circumcision party. And then what happened? And the rest of the Jews also played the... With him. Hypocrite with him. So that even... Barnabas was getting carried away by their hypocrisy. So what did I do? When I saw they were not straightforward. Can you put ESV here? I like the word in ESV. It's beautiful. Or NASB also is very nice. Yeah, 14, verse 14. Huh. When I saw that their conduct was not Look at this. The conduct was not in step with the truths of the gospel. I said to Kephas. The step. A thin line. Don't jump to legalism. Don't jump to license. When you emphasize one truth above the other or one aspect of God more than the other. Like Zakhpunan says this beautiful illustration. He says, when you truth is like bones. It's like a skeleton. When you see a skeleton coming to you, what do you do? You run for your life. Those days, in order to scare people, they used to put skeletons in the movies. You know, skeleton. Woo! Okay, so truth is like that with skeleton. You'll run for your life. And grace is like, or mercy is like, you know, the flesh. 
but flesh without bones? You need truth. You need grace. And both have to be balanced. And for that, we need to ask God for grace. Thank you. (laughs) We need to ask God for grace. I hope you said grace. I don't know. Oh, you said grace. Okay, fine. Okay, all right. So, you need grace and your truth and you need to balance both. Otherwise, we go towards the other, either towards legalism or towards license. And by that, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. That is the reason why if you look at the same chapter, Galatians chapter 2 verse 15, verse 21, verse 21, verse 21, look at what it says. I do not set aside the grace of God. NASB. I do not nullify the grace of God. The same thing happened. You don't nullify the commandment of God. Here you don't nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So you you go back to the law or you go back to the world. So either gospel is taking you to a debauch. I mean, you are basically not walking in the truth of the word of God. So there's a thin line. Okay, That is something which we looked at in several contexts. So first we looked at you lessen the intensity. Second, you choose one path more than the other. What is the first path? Either you choose legalism or you choose license. And the third, we exchange the truth of God for a lie when we obey partially. How do we obey? Partially. First Samuel chapter 15. You know this very well now. And, and I would love you to put it in the uh, ESV because I, I, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Look at that. Look at this. Beautiful. Chapter 15, verse 23. So what happened? This man, did you obey the commandment of the Lord? And what did he say? I have obeyed the commandment of the Lord. And what is the sound that I hear? Oh, that. Well, you know, we want, the, we want, we've got the best to sacrifice to the Lord. He says, just keep quiet. Let me speak. <laughs> he says, Samuel gets irritated. He says, keep quiet. Let me speak. Let me tell you what the Lord had told me. 20, 23, 22 onwards. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And verse 23, look at what it says. For rebellion is as the sin of divination of witchcraft and presumption is as iniquity, as idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord also has rejected you from being the king. So what has happened? You, you, you exchange the truth of God for a lie as I said, a miss is as good as a mile. A miss is as good as a mile when you partially obey. Partial obedience is as good as disorder, uh, as as full disobedience. It's not like attempting twenty five percent. I mean, seventy five percent of the question paper, and you are getting hoping hoping to get a D grade. It's not like that with God. Just imagine, no. Uh, if, 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 uh, Noah, God asked Noah to build an ark according to the plan that he has given him. Okay, Lord, if I just relax it a little bit here and there, would he survive? A miss is as good as a mile. 
according. There's a blueprint that God will give for each one of our lives. This is, this is it. If you go in this direction, you will surely die. <laughs> our, our fallen nature always tries to lessen the intensity. Or we say, okay, fine, partial obedience is okay. Partial obedience. Partial obedience is as good as disobedience. That's what it says. For rebellion is a sin of divination. And presumption is as iniquity as and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you. Let's go on. Let's read it. It's powerful. So Samuel said to Saul, Saul said to Samuel, I have. See, it takes so much for this one word to come out of his mouth. He gives so many excuses. And even after this one one word comes out of his mouth, you know what he says? I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because he will never take complete responsibility because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You think about it, no? That's, that's what I'm saying, no? If our repentance is not with intention, our repentance is as good as not repentance. There's no intention in our repentance. Turn there, no? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We looked at it several contexts and look at so many adjectives that is used over there. Never want to forget those words, even though we have listened to it so many times. We want to ask God, Lord, grant me the grace to be intentional in my repentance. There should be intensity, intention. 7 verse uh, 11 onwards. Yes, thank you very much. Verse 11. Verse 10 onwards, Sammy. Hmm. You can put it in, uh, in NKJV. For godly grief or sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. You see that? Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence? There is no slackness anywhere. Do you see that? What diligence it produced in you? Those who deal with a slack hand will, will be reduced to what? Poverty. But those who deal with a diligent hand will become rich. Precisely the same word. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, and what vindication. Seven things. That is complete repentance. Even if you fall short in one. You see, Whenever you fall short in one, a miss is as good as a mile. What shall I do to gain eternal life? Good master. Keep the commandments. Which ones? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. From the youth. Fantastic. If you want to be complete or perfect, let me see how good is your intention. Can you sell all your goods? Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. Then I know. But I put, I obeyed six right. Still not complete. Diligence, clearing, indignation, fear, vehement desire, zeal, vindication. There is zeal. That's the, that's the zeal of Phineas, by the way. You know that. What, what intention, intensity that guy had. That is intention. And people saw that intention and we said, Baba, this fellow has to be our leader. Every war, they put him front. If Phineas is there, we are going to win. 
and even if there are people who put up an altar near the near the jordan river we have to send this fellow because he is going to ask them and seek out their intentions right he goes and asks them what are you doing here don't you know balpure six the intentions what are you doing there no so what diligence it produced in you what clearing of yourselves what indignation what fear what vehement desire so if you have partial obedience is as good as disobedience that is the reason why partial matlab fraction god made integers all else is a work of man if there is no integrity in your obedience there is no integrity in your repentance there is no integrity in your intention to follow god forget about it that is the reason why god says half less half is not equal to one how did solomon know it solomon knew it i have to either give to god completely or nothing so uh, so david tells solomon worship and serve god from a whole heart with integrity of your heart he says so the first test comes to solomon this lady says my baby the other says my baby okay you say your baby another says my baby okay we'll do one thing we'll divide get a knife finished Who, who's who pata chal gaya wahan par because he knows that half individual plus half individual is not equal to one individual okay. partial obedience is not obedience at all so you exchange the truth of god for a lie when you obey partially i have we'll give you examples no if you have christians in name only and they have a good degree and a good job girl or a boy it's okay they have a christian in name only चलते चलते हम लोग सुधर जाएंगे नहीं 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 हो पाएगा ऐसा नहीं होता भाई कंप्लीट ओबीडियंस इज व्हाट इज रिक्वायर्ड सो फर्स्ट वी लेसन वी एक्सचेंज द ट्रूथ ऑफ गॉड फॉर अ लाइफ व्हेन वी लेसन द इंटेंसिटी ऑफ अ कमांड वी exchange the truth of god for a lie when we either go towards legalism or license third we lessen the truth of god for we exchange the truth of god for a lie when we obey partially third fourth fourth one we exchange the truth of god for a lie when we go back to god when he has already said no brothers we exchange the truth of god for a lie when we go back to god when he has already said no got it chalo number chapter 22 everybody knows it no chapter 2 verse 7 verse 7 onwards so the elders of moab and the elders of midian departed with the diviner's fee wow so we know who balaam is he is a diviner he is not divine is a lot of difference There are so many balams around in the in the in the in uh, in Christendom spread out. They are not divine; they are diviners. When I am saying saint, it's not sanctified. Hmm. If all the prophets 
of the, all the fro- false prophets we have in the Old Testament, the prophets, the, fo- the one false prophet which is referred to in the New Testament is Balaam. You know that? It's amazing, isn't it? Both by Jesus and by Peter. And by Jude also, if I'm right. I don't know about Jude. Yeah, but Peter and for sure and by Jesus, for sure. Jude also. The error of Balaam, yes. The error of Balaam, you know that, yeah. Three times, Jesus also, don't forget, he says, that fellow, they have taught the doctrine of Balaam, he says. To the to a church in, uh, one of the churches, I forget the name. Okay, so, but three, this, this Balaam, so the diviner, this, this is an attitude. The diviners fee in their hand, they are not divine, but they are diviners. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Who is the Balak? What does Balak mean? Destroyer, yeah. So it's a symbol of Satan. And then what happens? And he said to them, Lodge here tonight. And I will bring back word to you. As the Lord speaks to me, so the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam and God came to Balaam and said, Who are these fellows with you? I mean, it's an amazing question to ask, no? What is Evil company? Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good manners. Who are these fellows with you? It's a good question to ask ourselves every time. Who are these fellows with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor came, you know, king of Moab, he sent me. Look at people has come from Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And you know what God says? God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Now what happens? The fee gets increased. Just because the fee gets increased, the heart of God change. He has already said what? We have to check our hearts. How do we as believers look at it? Company has called you from, let's say, Pune. I, I know it, no? My first experience in my life. Okay. Got through the interview. Everything is over. Okay. And uh, they call you, this is your payback. And you ask God, Lord, should I go? God said, no. And you send an email to the HR saying, Madam, sorry, I can't come. So... It's not possible because, oh, we are going to increase your payback. In three months time, you will be in the United States too, on an onset project. Okay. On an onset project, you will be with the <laughs> United States onset project. Then you do go back to God and say, God. <laughs> Lord, you don't know, Lord, my problem, my situation in my life. God has clearly said, no. Just because the stakes have become higher, do you think God is going to change? You know, what is what, what, what do you do? It's basically unbelief. You know, it's not, it's not God said no. Can you say no to God? Is the ultimate question. You know how the heart of Moses? Moses, turn, just go, just, just go to the side. I'm gonna finish off this fellas. I'm gonna start a mighty nation with you. You know what Moses said? No. That's ultimate. 
completely identified with those people. No, Lord. So we exchange the truth of God for a lie when we go back to God when He has already said, No, He has already said no. Thou shalt not marry an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But Lord, No. God, Lord, I can change him, Lord. That's what, that's exactly the reason why Paul says, what can you say? Can you change your wife? Can you change your husband? Do you think you can do it? You're God? God has already said no. But you should say no, right? You should have the ability to say no. When Lot asked, I mean, Abraham asked Lot, Lot, Choose for yourself. You know what should have Lord said? No. That is chapter 2, verse 12. Onwards. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 onwards. Can I, can I, if you can put it in the NIV, it will be great. If you are able to. Okay. Okay, verse 11 onwards, bro. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 onwards. Teach Titus chapter 2, verse 11 onwards. For the grace of God, which that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Hmm? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. And verse 13, waiting for, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what what does what is, what is the grace of God teach us? It teaches us to say no to things which God has already said. No. Verse, and you know it, right? Next day, those fellows come back with a better offering and he goes to God and God says what? Go! <laughs> but it's interesting. Verse 31 of Numbers chapter 22. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and, the, and he saw the angel of the law standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Look at the, Look at what the Lord says. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? <laughs> like that. Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. See, your way is perverse. You've perverted my way. And then, next verse. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. You see, sometimes, you know, God saves us some so many, so many dangers. When we have said yes to things that God has already said, no, in his mercy. And finally, Balaam said to the Lord, the angel of the Lord, I have, I have sinned. Now that thing comes out. For I did not know that you stood in the way against me. That means you were contrary to me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that my way was contrary to your way. Now therefore, if it, you know what the word displeases? If it is making you angry, I will go back. Never let us do this. 
never let us walk contrary to God. Never let us do anything which displeases God. When he has already said no, let us not try to twist the arm of God. So how do we extend the truth of God for a line? When we say, when we go back to God, when he has already said what? No. So, so first thing, we relax. Second, we go to either legalism or license. Third, partially, partially obey. Fourth, excuse me, uh, when we, we go back to God, when we, he has already said no. Fifth, we exchange the truth of God for a lie when we become proud and cross God-ordained boundaries. We exchange the truth of God for a lie when we become proud and cross God-ordained boundaries. How do I know it? Second Chronicles chapter 26. Verse 16 onwards. But when he was strong, who is this? Uzziah. You know what Uzziah means? Uzziah means Yahweh is my strength. That's exactly. His other word is also known. I think it's also Azariah or Amaziah. I think. Uh, Azariah, if I'm right. Azariah. Azariah, yeah. Azariah. Mm. Uh, which also is from the same root word actually, but it's okay. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. See, this is what success does. Success justifies your disobedience. You know that? Success is a tremendous danger. That's what it says. I told, uh, somebody made this, I think it was Tim Keller who made the statement. He said, when you are disobeying God, or when you do things in which God is not there, when you do things without factoring God, either you fail miserably or you succeed even more miserably. Because what happens is, you get justified. In your, your success justifies your disobedience. So what happens? You exchange the what? The truth of God for a lie. You cross God ordained boundaries. My goodness gracious me. How important it is for us, no? In these last days? For you as young people? Haddul Mirtanaranu. That's a constant, uh, what do you say? Uh, admonition and exhortation that our elders do. Haddul Mirakunu. Ekkadunalakadundu. Success. You don't know anything. Don't ever think that just because you are more educated than your parents, you have the right to dishonor them. Know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the commandment of the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense. That was the place. The, to burn incense, the altar of incense was ex- almost close. It was just adjacent to the most holy place. And even the high priest would not enter into the most holy place without any without, without preparation. And that too, how many times? Once every year. And you have the audacity to do it. So audacious just because you got success. That you can cross God out in boundaries. So Azariah went in after him 
And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. We need such valiant men who will confront us in our disobedience. Isn't it important for us? Do you think it is important? Absolutely, right? Because one of the things that we constantly are exhorted is, don't change the ancient boundaries. The ancient landmarks. Don't, don't remove those boundaries. You relax those ancient boundaries, you, you head your, you, you go into trouble and who gave you the audacity to do it? And you know what happens. Next verse. For those people who do not know what happens. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who was consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no glory or honor from God. All have sinned and fallen short. You have missed the mark. You have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You shall have no honor from God, from the Lord your God. And Uzziah became furious. Boy. And had a censer in his hand to burn incense. That is exactly the reason why. As it is written, you shall do it. As it is written, so it shall be done. Please don't relax. That's exactly what David even thought. I can worship God anyway. As long as my intentions are okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. The letter and the spirit both have to match. Somebody said, no. The path... Pathway to hell is full of good intentions. I I like that statement. (laughs) The pathway to hell is full of good intentions. Sorry. Don't cross God-ordained boundaries. What happens? He, He had censor in his hand to burn and while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Forehead means it's a mark of rebellion. Before the priests in the house of the Lord. Besides the incense altar. And he also realizes that. And you know what happens? Next verse, verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And there on his forehead it was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out. Because the Lord had struck him. We have to work within the boundaries that God has placed. Boundaries of marriage. Boundaries in our relationship with others. There are boundaries, right? Behold, my lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have an excellent heritage. We need to know our boundaries. Sometimes we cross our boundaries. We don't discuss certain things which are, which are supposed to be discussed only with our spouses outside. Within the boundaries. So exchange the truth of God for a lie. When you cross your God-ordained boundaries. So let us review once. First, lessen the intensity. Second, choose legalism or license. Third, uh, partiality in obeying the law. Fourth, you become proud and you cross God-ordained boundaries. You exchange the truth of God for a lie. Fifth, you exchange the truth of God for a lie when you say no I mean, when you go back to God, when God has already said, no. Sixth, you exchange the truth of God for a lie when you delay your obedience. What did I say? 
you exchange your truth of God for lie when you delay your obedience. Numbers chapter 14 now. This is sixth, okay? So we'll have one more and then we are done. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. What? When God said, you are no longer going. You are no longer going to the promised land. I'm not going to go with you. Okay? So verse 39 words now. 39. 14-39. Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. What did they say? What did Moses say? You are not going into the promised land. They rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have. Ah, it is too late, Nana. It's too late. It's over. For we have sinned. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Tomorrow is too delayed. It's delayed. That's the reason why when Abraham was instituted the circumcision on the very day it says he brought every male and he circumcised them. Can you imagine the pain? That is the reason why those 318 trained soldiers in his house who are at their command they were already circumcised when they obeyed him. It was only a matter of time. They would do anything. For Abraham. So every male child and every male servant, everybody in Abraham's household was was circumcised the very same day. Then God appeared to Abraham in a dream and he said, take your only son. What did he do? Early in the morning. He appeared in the night, next day morning. Started off. One more day, it is going to be late. You will relax. You know what I'm talking about? Ultimately, you can trace it back to relaxing. So today's title is, is a miss is as good as a mile. You can title it, today's sermon. Miss is as good as a mile. Delayed obedience. What happens? And they rose early in the morning and went up, went up to the top of the mountain and saying, here we are, we will go to the place which the Lord has promised. We are, for we have sinned. Over. Time for repentance is over. Just like Esau, he had, he found no place for repentance even though he diligently sought with tears. It's over. Seven days, the ark was still kept open. After that, it's going to be shut. Who's, who's going to shut it? God is going to shut it. The pastor is not going to shut it. Noah is the pastor. Sometimes pastors also will cry, oh, your poor fellow, let him come and say, no, no, God, 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 no, no, no. If the pastor has his, uh, the door, door thing in his hand, I think he would still keep it open for a few more days. What do you say? (laughs) Moses said, now why do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? You see that? For they will, this, for this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you. But what does he do? They still go. The Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. And then they came back to their tents and they greatly, it's over, huh? It's over. Okay. I think you missed 44. I, I you missed verse 44. I like I like that verse 44. But they presumed. 
That's the point. But they presume to go up to the mountain top. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove back as far as Hormah. So delayed obedience is as good as obedience. So exchange the truth of God for a lie when you delay your obedience. You exchange it. Over. Finally, we exchange the truth of God for a lie when we have external trappings and not inward reality. What did I say? External trappings, no inward reality. First Samuel chapter 4. Maybe another one I'll say. Now, Israel was one. Yeah, thank you. Now the... Four, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the word of the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped be, be, beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Okay. Verse 3. Uh, so verse 2, verse 2, verse, yeah. Verse 2, sorry, verse 2. Uh... The Philistines put, put themselves in battle against Israel and when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. Verse 3, and the people had come into the camp and the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us that when it comes among us, it may save us. What is it? It may save. Have you seen? You know what it says about the Ark of the Covenant? It is the Lord who rests between the cherubim. It is the presence of the Lord. It is not it. It comes among us that it may save us from the hand of our enemies. And then the Ark of the Covenant comes. Who is there between before them? Hophni and Phineas. And you know what happens. They're defeated. The ark is captured. Verse 19. Now Eli's daughter-in-law. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of the covenant was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And you know what she said? And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said, Do not fear, for your bonus son. But she did not answer, neither did she regard it. But she said, and she named her child Echabod. The glory has departed. Chabod has departed. You have fallen short. You extend the truth of God for a lie when you have no inward reality, but you have external droppings. No inward reality. That's the reason why Jesus says, will you steal? Will you murder? And then you'll come to this house, which is called by my name, and you'll say, we are free to do all these abominations. Is this called, is my house a house of prayer, and you have made it into a den of robbers? Understand, there's no inward reality. Finally, 
we exchange the truth of God for a lie when we go with your majority opinion. We go with the majority opinion. That is why sometimes dem- democracy is such a far- farce. So many people are saying it is right. It must be right. No. The number of dislikes and the number of followers on Twitter doesn't matter. It's interesting, right? When Jesus started, he had million followers on Twitter. When he mentioned the terms of discipleship, everybody left. Except 70. And, he, and all the crowds left. And when he made the teaching a little more harder, all the 70 disciples left. And after that, he asked his disciples, do you want to leave? No, where should we go? You alone have the words of life. His family left. The crowds left. His disciples left. The only few followers that he had was 11. And out of that, everybody left when he was hung, hanging on the cross. You know what? The whole world was calling him a, what? A criminal. It says it was, he was numbered with the transgressors. Transgressor number one. Criminal number one. Criminal number two. Criminal number three. The only person who had a positive influ- I mean, opinion about him was God. That's it. Nobody else. The whole world gave him the majority opinion that this man is a liar or a thief or a sinner. Except a few here and there. First Kings chapter 22 verse 10. King of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets, there are hundreds of prophets prophesying before him. And Zedekiah, the son of Hena, made horns of iron for himself. He said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall go to the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hands of the, into the king's hand. And the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him. Now listen the words of the prophets with one accord. Everybody has given their unanimous decision. You also give your vote. Put in your lot among these three. To exchange the truth of God for a lie when you go with the majority. That is the reason why it says in Exodus, do not pervert justice by taking the sides with the majority. No. So we looked at several aspects. We listen to the intensity of the word of God. How do we do it? First, we relax. Second, we either take the side of legalism or license. Third, we uh, partial partial obedience. Fourth, we do not say, we, we we say yes to something which God has already said. No to. Fifth, we go cross our God ordained boundaries. Sixth, we delay obedience. Seventh, we go with, uh, we, we have external trappings and no inward reality. And eighth, we go with the majority opinion. Actually, the seven of the, of the relaxing, relaxing if it's the, if it's a theme, relaxing the commandments are the theme. There are seven branches of relaxing the commandment. We do it in seven ways. We do it in these seven ways. We go with the majority opinion or we give 
adherence to external trappings without inward reality. We delay our obedience. Therefore, it says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. We go back to God when he's already said no. We exchange the truth of God for a lie when we become proud and we cross God-ordained boundaries. We exchange the truth of God for a lie when we show partial obedience. We either take the side of legalism or license. That is how we relax the intensity of God's command. A miss is as good as a mile. So what is the solution to this problem, Baba? In each other, the solution here, Maiko. Okay, solution. Only one solution. It is written. And it is also written. That is the solution. What is the solution? It is written. It is also written. No one can pluck me out of my out of your hand. It is written. It is also written. After having been once enlightened, after having tasted the good word of God. The powers of the age to come, having been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, if I fall away to renew me back to repentance is what? Impossible. Also written. Those who come to me in no wise I will cast away. Okay. If any soul draws back, ah, my soul will not have any pleasure inside of me, inside of him and you can draw back even unto perdition. It is written. It is also written. Otherwise, we don't have tension. <laughs> appropriate tension. And there is no appropriate intention. Manisilaya. So, solution. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 5. Onwards. Then the devil took him up to the holy city. And set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, hurry, <laughs> throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. What does Jesus say? Jesus said to him, It is also written again, or it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him to the exceedingly high mountain and showed him the glory, etc., etc., etc. It is written. It is also written. You know what's the solution? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the only solution. And I told you, right, the greatest uh, problem with us is that we struggle with truths. Uh, don't forget to put that message in the description box. Oh, you're putting it, okay? So this is the most major problem. So what is our first solution? First solution is, it is written and is also written. Second solution, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. At actually 10 onwards. In the NKJV, okay? And all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive a... What should we ask God for? The love of the truth, Lord. Let me love your truth. How I love your law. It is my meditation day in and day out. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, ah, it's a love, is a delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It is not reading the word, it is meditating upon the word. Everybody. Worship leader, 
minister of the word of God. And everybody who's doing whatever service and ministry in the, in the, in the kingdom of God, one thing you cannot, 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 cannot neglect is the meditation of the word of God. You neglect that to your own peril. We give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. If you neglect one, the other. The love of the truth. Otherwise, the miss is as good as a mile. Shall we pray? <laughs> I have given you sufficient download. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We are all prone to one side or the other. Struggle with it, Lord. Grant us grace that we will be careful not to lessen the intensity of your command. We will understand the thoughts. We will understand the intentions. That will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may know what is the perfect, the good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. This is the will of God, your word says, your sanctification. This is the will of God, your word says, that we should give thanks in all situations. This is the will of God. Your word says that by by doing good that we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Grant us grace, O Lord, so that we that we will already we will we will obey already your revealed will, so that you can you can unpack the specific will in our lives. Enable us never to lessen the intensity of your command. To that end, I pray that you would bless all of us. All of us, we need that blessing. But we will never relax any of your commands. We will not be slackened. We will not be deceitful. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.